0: This is the Action Network podcast. Yes, it is. It's good. Without further ado, that's what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm
1: gonna oh, <laughs> just leave it up there.
0: He couldn't make that if he tried that again. <laughs> Absolutely. Spread the floor. Let's go.
2: Welcome to the Action Network Podcast NBA Playoff Edition, Conference Finals Edition. We have finally reached the Conference Finals. The NBA Finals begin in two weeks. And we'll be bringing you everything that you need to know to bet those Conference Finals as Suns uh, Clippers began yesterday and Sixers Hawks begins tomorrow. Reminder that today's episode All the Odds are brought to you by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast and that you should follow NBA Bet on Twitter, which is our partnership with the NBA, bringing you betting information and you can get great, great information, not only there, but the Action Network and the Action Network app where you can track all our picks, including the red hot Brandon Anderson. And I am just going to open the floor and let Raheem Palmer do a victory lap for his weekend because Raheem had himself a
3: weekend. I'm stupid, you're smart. I was wrong, you were right. You're the best, I'm the worst. Uh, You're very good looking, I'm not attractive. All right, as long as you're willing to admit that. So I had the Clippers on Friday. I took the Clippers for big money on Friday and I woke up Saturday. I, I like, I think we had a spaces on Friday night. I said, I'm gonna put all the profits on the Bucks. So I took the Bucks. but you know, I was speaking to Brandon Anderson on, on, on Saturday morning, I'm like, I want to go to game seven. So I ended up buying a court size seat to game seven of nets and bucks. I'm sitting right behind Travis Scott and Emmanuel Sanders and I mean, it's one of the greatest games I've ever been to. I had the Bucks plus 195 to win the series. I had a money line for big money. And then, you know, I drive back to Philly and I pass out and I wake up in the morning and I say, you know what? I want to go to game seven again. <laughs> so I went to game seven, Sixers versus Hawks. I wanted to see the Sixers get the win. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And about. At halftime, I fired on the Hawks to, to, to money line to win it because it just it became so painfully obvious that they were going to win that game. So I had a great weekend; I, I cannot complain.
2: Meanwhile, on the other side of the victory lap docket, Brandon Anderson. I'm going over this from his tweet on Twitter. He bet Clippers Bucks on a parlay at plus eleven twenty four. He hit the Bucks alternate line for Game Six at plus one eighty. He hit the Bucks series at plus one ninety five. He bet the Clippers game six live at plus 312. He hit Hawks in game seven at plus 250. He still got Clippers Bucks finals at plus 4,000. And he's got Paul George finals MVP at plus 6,000. It has been a week. Not a bad one for Brandon either.
1: It's been fun, guys. I didn't even fit in there. I still got uh, Suns plus 500 to win the West. And I've got Chris Paul at 1,100 finals MVP. So We've got a lot of good options out there. I think I've got a seven hundred on the Bucks to win the championship too. So, you know, you, you put your money in a lot of pots. You get a lot of good action when some yep. of these things start coming up your way.
2: Yeah, that's the, um, the same for the same for me, because uh my my the big one that I have remaining. I actually on June second, way, way, way back on June second, a whole nineteen days ago, uh I bet Bucks Suns finals Oh,
1: I thought you were gonna say on June 2nd you bet on Ben Simmons to take a shot in the fourth quarter. We'll and, uh... we'll get
2: there. <laughs> we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. But that would be my my biggest remaining one. I also will say after the Hawks knocked off the Knicks, I kept thinking about that Hawks better that bet on them the big money at Bet MGM to make the final. So I may have dabbled, just dabbled on Hawks. Wow, you took that to win the conference. I may have done that, so Ooh. I'm debating whether or not to cash out and put that back in on the box or just let it ride. I probably just gonna let it ride. Um, but that one, um, obviously, is, so I'm I'm sitting pretty good. The only kind of hippocampus is the Clippers, and we'll get to them in a little bit. Let's talk about the game though. Let's um, we're gonna here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go in reverse order, so we're gonna go back to uh game seven of clippers hawk or uh hawk sixers first uh the game that raheem was at so i mean one of the
1: games that raheem was at. yeah
2: one of the game seven that raheem was at (laughs) um everyone's killing ben rightfully so can't pass up that dunk you know no shots in the fourth quarter in like the last three games looks totally broken from my perspective The offense was a problem for sure, but you were still getting buckets. Seth Curry was carrying it. Tobias Harris had a bad night, but then started like he made some stuff like late in the game. You know, Joel Embiid went back to getting turned the ball over every single time he got double teamed. I also like we'll just say this, that like I found it just absolutely gross the way that Joel Embiid sold out his teammate post game. Like, I just thought it was gross.
3: I mean, did, did Joel Embiid ever like Ben Simmons? Like, I mean, like I look at it like this. Jimmy Butler clearly didn't like Ben Simmons. Jimmy Butler and B were, like, best friends. And they've they've spoken about it, you know, numerous times. Like, they're going to ride for each other and everything like that. So, Butler was probably in his ear, like, yo, this dude's a loser. Like, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Uh,
1: Whether you think that or not, though, you don't say that about your teammate. Like, you don't say that ever about your teammate, but especially after a loss like that. Like, I know you're hurting. I know that you wished it to be otherwise, but... You can't you can't throw your teammate under the bus that hard like that. Yeah. Yeah, you just can't do that. Like, this thing is, like, he just
2: – Ben Simmons is going through the worst professional moment of his life after what's widely been reported as, like, one of the worst personal years for him. And, like, that's just not the moment to do that. Um, I will also note that uh, Joel Embiid got stripped by Danilo Gallinari, famous defensive stalwart. On the final kind of real possession of the game for a run out dunk. So maybe Joel should handle his own shit in house before going and,
1: and trying to burn down Ben Simmons.
3: That's a, that's, a, that's a very stupid question. There's no issue. We're good. We just didn't win.
1: So what do you guys think? They, they uh,
3: on the jump, they like to do
1: like divide up the blame pie. So I was trying to think this through of okay, if you got 100% of blame to spread around the Sixers. How are you spreading it out? So here's, here's my pie. I'll give you my percentages, and you guys can push back. So I got 40% to Ben Simmons. I got 25% to Tobias Harris, who was good down the stretch, but really disappeared in some of those games, and they needed a lot from him. I got 20% just to health. If Joel Embiid's healthy, healthier, like he clearly played, but if he's healthy, I think that they just win this pretty easily. And then Doc, 10%, and Joel, 5%. I'm sort of feeling like I went low on Joel, but what do you guys think about those? 50% Benjamin. This is too much. What?
2: Okay. We're thinking about this wrong. Okay. We're we're thinking about this whole thing wrong. Okay. I wrote a big thing about what makes good playoff teams. Yeah. And the two things that were most important was you got to have guys that could make jump shots off the dribble from the perimeter. And you got to have a versatile defense. The Sixers do not have a versatile defense, which is why Trey young in all these runs got to go to the floater or the floater lob every single time. They do not have guys that can make jump shots off the dribble because they basically decided to build around Joel Embiid. So You had Seth Curry, who's a spot up shooter played great was awesome. And Tobias who's largely like a spot up shooter. that also kind of slashes. He is not a, give the ball to the guy on the perimeter and let him run, pick and roll. They did not have that guy. So, the idea that, that Ben's on the hook for 50% is ludicrous. Like, yeah. this roster is not built for how the playoffs are. Like, a lot of it is, I'll say this, if you could switch pick and roll these, and look, the overall defense was good for the Sixers, and the numbers with Joel were great. But if you're able to switch those pick and rolls, those lobs aren't happening to Capella. Those floaters to Trey aren't happening not happening so they're limited in that way and then on the other end like Joel's taking a bunch of mid-range jump shots which it was great all year and then he started missing them because that's hard to sustain the entire season especially on a torn meniscus so like i i will say that i think more i would put 40 percent on doc you've got like when Brandon, I had, I had missed this one on Doc. When Brandon let me know last night that Doc had lost five game sevens at home, that is Ooh. damning. Yeah. Like that yeah. is damning. I mean, Raheem, you've, like, you've, you've mentioned it. Like se- home teams win those game sevens 70% of the time. It's almost like uh, if, since 2010, home teams win game seven 70% of the time. And the other 30% is doc rivers. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and like, I, I look, I think Maury, Mori came in late to the process, right? He only had like yeah. a year, like he had one summer to really do this. I think he'll reshape the roster this year with the trade of Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say this. There's a lot of ways in which I think Ben Simmons, like I, if Ben Simmons goes to Portland, I'm probably picking them to win the division next year. Like mm. he's still a really good player. He had a bad series where he got shook. And i also said this, he was de-emphasized the entire year. Like, I noticed this way back, that, like, they had moved entirely away from Simmons last year. And under the Brett Brown, it was, like, this, like, nice kind of counterpoint of, like, Embiid would have stretches where he dominated, and Ben Simmons would have games where he dominated. And, like, they would play together, and it, like, actually kind of, like, worked. And then, basically, Doc came in and was just like, no, this is, this is, this is Joel Embiid's team, and we're doing everything around Embiid. Which, they got the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, so you can't say it didn't work. Lost yeah. game seven at home to the Hawks! So-, so,
1: so here's my question with Ben Simmons. If this is not ben, Ben's fault, and I, I agree, like, you know, it, traditionally, you could say, okay, well, then it's the GM's fault. But we can't really totally say that, because it's his first year. You know, it takes some time to kind of rebuild the team and get the pieces where you want. And I, I think even... To get them where they did he Maury did a great job bringing like seth curry like think about what they look like without seth curry in that series um yeah. so, so my question with ben is this it, you know the nba doesn't work this way but let's say that you're starting new with a new team and you're trying to build it in a, a team that makes ben look successful what does that team look like like when you get to this moment a game seven or get to a conference finals What what role is Ben playing and who are the sort of players you want around that team? I'm not saying there isn't that, just like who what are the players that we're building to make the Ben Simmons on a top five contending team?
2: Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, PJ Tucker.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so just the Giannis plan. Yeah. Except that that he's clearly worse than Giannis though, by a lot. Okay. How? Talent? Okay, but like, at what?
3: Eyes? You know what? I disagree with that. Athleticism,
1: athleticism. You don't think Ben Simmons is as athletic as, as Giannis? I don't see him like taking one dribble from the three point line and just dunking on dude. He's bigger, Giannis. I is can't bigger.
3: see him taking one dribble in the. He, he, and does, dunking he, has, on dudes. he doesn't have Giannis's wingspan. He doesn't have Giannis's wingspan.
2: Right, he's not as big. I'll admit that he's not as big. He's not as big, but he's also more nu- more maneuverable because of that. Like. Yeah. The games are honestly very similar. Can't hit free throws, don't have a jumper. Can attack in, an, in, in transition. They're absolute monsters. The biggest yeah. thing, the, the biggest differential, honestly, is that Giannis has more post moves. He doesn't go to him enough, but like he did yeah. enough that series, which we can transition to that one. Um,
1: you know, I... Go ahead. Yeah, also, uh, Giannis watching, looks like was, a pretty great shooter next to Ben, so that
3: says something. I was, I was watching um, Ben's Summer League performances last night, and it feels like the Sixers have stunted his growth. <laughs> No, I'm like, I'm dead serious. Like, I mean, he's literally out there taking mid-range jumpers. Yeah. He's running the floor. Yeah. He's looking like magic. Yep. So I just think he needs the same change of scenery that Fultz had. Like, you look at Fultz in Orlando, it's a completely different player than, than where he is in Philly. So you my hot I take? have a lot of questions. You want my yeah. hot take? Yeah.
2: Markel Fultz looks broken. Goes to Orlando, looks much better. Ben Simmons looks broken. Is Joel Embiid toxic? That's my that's my hot take. Is is Joel Embiid toxic?
3: I don't think Joel Embiid is toxic. I think that the the Sixers organization. Let me is ask you. Terrible. Let me ask you though. Who who loves playing with Joel? Who, who has been
2: who has been like me? I love playing with Joel Embiid. Jimmy Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Right. Is Jimmy Butler known to be the guy that like is all
1: like. <laughs> Like, I wasn't saying that to refute the point. By the yeah, way, I was exactly. putting yeah. that squarely in the same bucket. <laughs> no,
2: but here's the thing: I don't even think that I. Don't, I. I don't, here's the thing: Simmons has to go one of two ways. He either has to be built around like Giannis, and after this, this these playoffs, that's never going to happen. Like he's as low lowest point. Like people are, are now like, is it is Ben Simmons an NBA player? And I'm like, guys, come come on. Um, but on the other side, like I don't. It, I think that he's got to be a, a number two again. If they if they pull off C.J. Robert Covington and pieces for Simmons and pick one of Maxie or Tyble, okay, Portland. If you give Dame Ben Simmons to run pick and roll with, before Simmons was drafted, I wrote like a, I wrote like a a fifteen hundred word piece on CBS Sports, and I said, look, if you want to know where the best like th- this is, I'm dead serious. Simmons should go number one because we're just watching what Draymond Green can do. Imagine Ben Simmons is like a mega Draymond Green.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I had tried to come up with some trade ideas, and I was trying to brainstorm if there was a trade that put Ben Simmons in Golden State, basically in place of Draymond Green. And I don't think that there is, but well, putting him into that role would be amazing.
2: There's one floating right now that is, like, not floating in terms of league circles. Like, this was a fan-suggested one, of Simmons to Golden State, Draymond to Portland, CJ... To the Sixers.
3: Ooh,
1: yeah, that's interesting. I I don't know. I don't think Golden State even considers trading Draymond right now. But it's an interesting, uh, just because of I don't know. I guess maybe maybe I'm talking to brand loyalty. They they they've just gone through so much together that I feel like they need to who's their owner. Yeah, Light Years. I I mean, but
3: (laughs) But you know what? I can see. I can see them get a title. I, I can see them running the gang back together with Clay come, come, coming back. Yeah. That's how you sell it.
0: This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new signup offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus they're compatible with BetSync. So when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Now, back to the show.
2: First, first, we can't get out of this. Let's give some credit to the, to the, yeah, this this is a bad exploit here, Matt Mitchell. Let's give some credit to the motherfucking Hawks. Like, (laughs) holy shit. Okay, so like Trey Young burns MSG to the ground, goes to Philly and runs them, gets them booed off their home court after a game in which he didn't even play well. Kevin Herter annihilate Seth Curry in the last three games. Yeah, that that, that was was brutal. Nate McMillan, who honestly has not been a great playoffs coach. Like, there's just been a lot of series where you can look back and go, like, ooh, not so great there. He was awesome in the series. Pushed all the right buttons, made the adjustments. Mm. A lot of this really was the Sixers melting down, the 26-point lead in Game 5, the way that they just, like, fell apart in Game 7. Again, Doc Rivers. But... The Hawks deserve a ton of credit for just, like, keeping with it, staying with it. Bogdanovich has a bad knee, and they still
1: get this win. Yeah, Trey shot, like, four for 700, and they still got the win. On this podcast, we said that the Hawks
2: were live, but none of us really believed they could win the series. Like, we all were, like, yeah. Yeah, them plus two and a half, plus one and a half. Like,
3: that's... That tra- value there. That Trey three with like, two minutes and 35 seconds to go when they were up 90 to 87. Hold like it was so crazy because it felt like what were the Sixers doing there? Like Simmons was on Trey and it looked like they were supposed to switch, but I guess, you know, Simmons wanted to fight through the screen. And before you know it, Trey just gets an open three. And I'm just like, oh my God, like I saw it happening. And I'm like, oh my God, this is over.
2: Just uh, immense respect for the Hawks who now at bet MGM, the official odds provider of the action network podcast, um, Remain obviously like the longest odds to win in the NBA, like that they've got to be the biggest dogs remaining, just based off of like reasonable projections. But uh, they are a plus 1100 to win the NBA title. Hawks Clippers is plus 2000, Hawks Suns is plus 475. So that's how that's going. And then um, to win the title, yeah, the Hawks are plus. Eleven hundred. We'll get to their series price versus the Bucks in a minute. So let's transition to the Milwaukee Bucks, who did it? They beat the Nets. They beat Kevin Durant. Um, my big takeaway is largely: look, the Nets didn't have Kyrie Irving. They didn't have James Harden to start the series. Harden was on one leg. There's a lot of ways. I, I don't necessarily people do this, and it bugs me where they just go like, "Well, they had Irving and Harden." Like if they are, have Irving and Harden, everything changes. It's chaos theory. Like everything changes, the matchups change, the dynamics change. Like maybe Blake Griffin doesn't have the series that he has. Maybe Mike James early in the series doesn't have the series that he does. Maybe uh, Drew Holiday has more success. Like there's all these kinds of things that change if the injuries aren't there. I, I will say this. It just kind of feels like to me, the Bucs finally got the breaks that they have a, that ha- haven't gone their way the past two seasons. That in their, their previous playoff failings, things never went their way. They, even if there were matchup stuff and Bud didn't make adjustments, and he made a lot of adjustments in the series, then the shots just wouldn't fall. And it seemed like that for much of Game 7, and then Drew Holiday came up huge in Game in, in the fourth quarter. So did Chris Middleton. That, to me, is kind of like the lesson. And I will say it's kind of hard to tell how good the Bucks are because they faced a team that wasn't built to beat them, mm-hmm. but was gonna, they, they switched everything. And I'm really curious to see if the Hawks do this. But the Nets don't have to feel bad about anything. They'll just run it back. But the Bucs, I, I thought, finally got the brakes, Brandon.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think that there's really any Nets fallout. Uh, you, you know, you, you make a few changes. You need to bring in a veteran point guard, probably get rid of Doundary Jordan. Get, you know, there, there are things to do. But the Nets just look and they're like, well, we got hurt. We pushed to the limit. Kevin Durant had an all-time, all-time playoff series that we will always remember, I hope. But mm-hmm. the Bucs did it. And I, I think we talked a while, a, a while back, like earlier in the season, did the Bucs have the, the championship season? Like, or did, did, they have, did they have that extra gear? And I made the analogy that I, I thought that this team kind of reminded me of like a version of Pops-Spurs where and and bud to pop similarly obviously it's from the same coaching tree like where there are there are some obvious shortcomings but there's this very high floor like that's what we've seen for three years now there's a very high floor of what they have been from the regular season we know all the things that like because they're a bud team they don't foul, they don't turn the ball over we know that they play tough defense we know they hit a lot of shots and like with the Spurs. Like the thing, the thing with gambling, you just, you just want a lot of chances. You know, we talked about that earlier. Of like, you get a lot of shots, and eventually, you're going to have a few winning tickets left at the end. And like with the Spurs, without taking anything away from them, they just kept getting back. They kept getting to the final eight, the final four, year after year after year after year. And when you do that, eventually, you're going to catch the breaks. Eventually, you're going to play one of those teams with their stars missing, or you're going to see the one seed upset in front of you instead of you being the upset one seed. Without taking anything away from how great those Spurs were or, or what the Bucks just accomplished, it just sort of feels like that's kind of what's happening. Like things are breaking a little bit their way. You know, they, they were down 0-2 without one of those net stars. Like they were getting run for the beginning of that series. I don't think any of us really thought that, that, that things were going to flip at that point. I don't know what the adjustment was. The adjustment was they, they grinded out an ugly, ugly game three win. In, in an insult to rock fights. And I remember Raheem and I talking then uh, that like, you, you never know, it doesn't look good for them, but you never know what one win might do just to keep things alive. You never know what just staying alive can do. And then the very next game, Kyrie gets hurt and they win another game and boy, they needed it. They needed all those breaks just to get there. doesn't matter though. If you get to the end, it doesn't matter that you play the Hawks instead of the Sixers. Doesn't matter that you played Mike James instead of James Harden. It doesn't matter. You get the banner. You had the banner. That's it. You're the champions. There's no asterisk. There's no anything else. You beat the teams that you played, and the Bucs are in a great spot now to be able to do that.
2: Yeah, I mean nobody nobody takes away the Raptors championship because they face the Warriors without Katie and Clay, right? Like you play who's in front of you.
3: Um,
2: Raheem, are are you more, less? Same impressed with the Bucs after the series.
3: I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, they pulled it out. I mean, it was just a, KD had an all-time great series. I, I just, you know, there were various parts. And also, here's the thing. They missed their freak throws down a stretch, and they probably should have won that game in regulation. But to have the resolve to actually come back from that, and then, you know, there was a sequence in overtime where the Nets got four offensive rebounds and they didn't score on one of them and you know brooke lopez was big he had the the, the clutch block on kd when kd could have put put the, um put the game up four and it just felt like if the nets had scored one other basket you know they're at four there's no way the Bucks are going to catch him you know and you know Giannis he actually put his head down yeah he, he got that tough basket with one minute to go on kd you know, Chris Middleton hit tough shots. Drew he played poorly for most of the game, but he hit tough shots. So to me, I'm just, you know, I talk a lot about the resiliency and the linear effect of going through so much pain. Um, you see it with the Bulls. You saw it with, you know, the Warriors. They lost a couple of series before they they finally cut through. And. I feel like this is, that, this is the time for the Bucks where they finally cut through. And I, I hate to, you know, bring up these narrative-like aspects of things, but I think that matters. And I think the psychology of just going through pain. Like, we've all, we've all, like, I know I've gone through pain in my life. Like, I've, I've spoken about it, you know, on my timeline. I used to bet $10 a game on basketball games. I struggled. I've gone broke. I've, I've gone through all these different things, and I finally have cut through. So when I see teams do that, that's something I like to bet on. So I I put a lot of stock in it to it.
1: Yeah, that's real. Like you, you can you can make all the statistical arguments you want against that, but we all have experienced that feeling and what it feels like to get that breakthrough and what it feels like, you know, they just did this against the title favorite Nets and don't forget against the Heat, the team that knocked them out last year, like mm-hmm. the team that they were haunted by waiting for all year. Like the those two huge psychological blocks to get past, I, I think you know, it's, it's ludicrous to think that as a player on the court that that didn't mean anything to you. We all have experienced that before.
2: Let's get into some actual betting here. Bucks take on Hawks. Bucks are minus 500, which is by far the heaviest price that I've seen out there uh, at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Hawks are plus 375 to win this series. The spread on wins in this series, you've got Bucks... Minus two and a half is plus one ten. Minus one and a half is plus two is minus two twenty five. Hawks plus two and a half is minus one thirty, and Hawks plus one and a half is plus one eighty five. They're basically they they like bucks and six is what the numbers are are telling you. Um the exact series results is um you can get by the way they the they opened up a new odd set at, at MGM on these props, which is you can get two results so you can get bucks 4 or 4 1 at plus 110 bucks 4 2 or 4 3 specifically at plus 150 you've got bucks 4 2 is is plus 350 bucks 4 1 is plus 230 hawks and 7 is plus 1100 hawks and 6 is plus 1100 i don't want to overreact and that's always tough right I think this matchup is kind of interesting to me in that the Hawks have all these shot makers, right? The bucks are going to want to play Brooke again. They've made playing Brooke Lopez work in two their two playoff series. They have not, nobody's played Brooke off the floor the Hawks are going to probably be able to get a lot to that same lob mechanism that they got versus the bucks or versus the Sixers. Like they're going to be able to get to that again, because they're still going to have to play drop. You have to step up a little bit and that leaves the weak side open. The bucks weak side protections a little bit better defensively, I think is kind of the concern. The Hawks can switch though. Like Capella. That's the whole thing with him in Houston is that he, one of the reasons he was viable for them was because he could switch so I wonder if they're just going to switch everything one, five, pick and roll. The problem I think then is what they'll, the Bucks will do is they'll just run different sets of pick and roll. Like They'll use Middleton as a screener or use Middleton in the screen roll with Giannis. And that's going to create, I think, a lot of matchup problems. Like it was one thing when you're trying to, to face Embiid, when you know you can double and bring help because he's going to telegraph it. The Bucks, it's all movement based. It's all everything is like slicing to the to the rim and actions and then kick outs. There's two ways this goes. The Bucks think that they've won. They've gotten it. Like they were so happy to win that Nets series, which they should be. And they let their guard down and the Hawks sneak into this thing and, and do the same thing to them versus the two teams that underestimated them before. Or the Bucs are in that other zone where they're just like, nope, we beat the Heat and the and, and the Nets. We are, no, one's,
3: no one's beating us now. What are your initial thoughts on this series? So when I look at this, when I saw the line, I thought the, the line was a little too heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I mean, my model personally makes this game five. Or, like, yeah, it's like bucks minus five, four and a half, or something like that. So I think seven is just really, really high. But I think. I,
2: gra- I-, I grabbed an eight. I'll say I grabbed an eight last night.
3: I think the loss of DeAndre Hunter is really, really big for the series. I-, I just don't know how they guard Chris Middleton. I think Middleton could have a really big series. I, I think he could have the series that I thought Tobias Harris would have and didn't have. So, I mean, obviously the Bucks are favorite, but I, I just I kind of don't know how to approach it from a betting standpoint as of right now. And then I can't even really play my, my Game 7 angle because both of these two teams are coming <laughs> off of a Game 7. So that's a little frustrating for me. That so, was
2: my, my only concern was that the Bucks have have another extra day right yeah. mm-hmm. and so the hawks are on short turnaround uh, coming off the of game seven but when i just it's just too much man like that is just too much this this hawks team has been like what the line basically has told us both for the series and for game one is the books are basically like this was more about philly imploding than it was about the hawks which makes sense because statistically the sixers dominated them Like yeah, the again the Sixers losing that series is embarrassing because they they were so dominant when they weren't imploding, and that I think is causing now it takes two to tango, but that's definitely what the books are saying is they're just like look we're still not convinced Mm -hmm. by this Hawks team like they beat the Knicks all right fine the Sixers imploded we do not we think that that series was more about the Sixers than it was about the Hawks Brandon,
1: and I have a hard time disputing that but you'd think that the books should look at the bucks series and wonder if that series was more about the nets than the bucks in some ways also you know like that the nets you know lost their guys and yep. and like why can't you make that same argument and then ding the bucks a little bit um so it's interesting to to me so i've i've really have believed in the hawks this far I picked the Hawks in six last series. I picked the Hawks to win game seven when we got there. I, I don't like this for Atlanta. I, I think we all need to really appreciate how awesome Atlanta has been and how much fun Trey Young has been and, and how great all the players have been. We need to think about that a lot for the next day or two because I think that this is not going to go so well for them. Here, here are the problems that I'm seeing. Who's guarding Chris Middleton? Who's guarding Giannis? I, I don't know, like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. Second problem, Drew Holiday on Trey Young. It's not going to be fun for him. Like, Trey is, I, I think Drew is a much better sort of defender. Like, Trey struggled at times with Ben Simmons or with Matisse Taibo last round. Yeah. I think because of the size, Drew's not the same size, but I like Holiday like, his quickness and his ability laterally and being able to stick with him at the point of attack. Like we're, we're worried about the Brooke Lopez drop issue, but if holiday is better at keeping Trey out of the paint and from attacking as much with it, I think he's going to be like, I, I think Trey young, you know, we've seen like, look at just game seven, whatever Trey shot, like four or five out of a million. I, I think we're gonna get some of those games, this series, like Trey can put up some real clunker lines when the shots aren't falling. And I think holiday is going to force him into some of those games. Another thing We know that bud teams don't foul. They never foul. They don't send opponents to the free throw line. The Hawks rely really heavily on free throws and the Sixers followed them a lot. They got a lot of free throws and a lot of easy points and the Bucs are not going to do that. The Hawks rely on free throws and they rely on a big offensive rebounding advantage that that they even had against the Sixers at times. Like the the Bucs aren't going to allow those advantages. So I just... I, the, I, I'm trying to figure out how do the Bucs lose the series. And I think that the best answer to come up with is that they they just still can't get the offense going right. You know, we just saw them stuck in mud a whole series, even against the Nets, who were supposed to be this awful defense. Yeah. And I don't think that the Hawks are a great defense either, but but maybe the Bucs' offense just is broken still. Maybe Bud yeah. just doesn't have answers still. That would be the way, I think. But I, I think we're going towards, like, like, I, I'll be looking at that, that box in four or five sort of bat. Like, that's, I, I don't think this is a long series.
3: And then also, we forget um, Bogdan Bogdanovich is hurt. So, yeah. it's just like, that's that's a huge one.
1: Yeah, I, this is the Bogdan Bowl, by the way. Mem- remember way back at the start of the free agency when Bogdan was supposed to be coming to Milwaukee? Yeah. And, it, like, ha- who could have ever imagined that when that fell through that this is where we were heading to the Eastern Conference Finals? Like if Bogdan doesn't play, they should put him in a cage over top of the arena, and it's like <laughs> suspend him, and whoever wins the series gets Bogdan. They get to keep him going forward. I don't
2: think we could do that, Brandon. I, don't <laughs> think, I do not think that that's probably gonna be a lot. Oh my but, god! But what I do think is, I think Bogdanovich. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of rumors about how that went down in NBA circles. Um, can you imagine this Bucks team with Bogdanovich?
1: Oh man, he'd be so perfect for them. I
2: I, well I'll say this too. It'd be perfect for Bogdanovich. Like he's been awesome with the Hawks, right? Like this Mm. run is great. He's been awesome. He's been he has been a revelation to me. Like I knew he was good. He was awesome in these playoffs. But if we look at it, let's look at the I I am kind of coming around to this. So like I've waffled between the Hawks are live and the Bucks are gonna dominate. And I think I'm turning the other way towards how Bucks are gonna dominate and there might be value Mm. on. Bucks minus two and a half in wind spread Mm -hmm. at plus one ten. So we've got the DeAndre Hunter injury. Bogdanovich isn't a hundred percent. The Bucks have the best defense in the playoffs right now, averaging one hundred two point eight. Like they will grind these games down a little bit, which is interesting because they're like the transition team. But that's also the other thing: The, the Hawks have not faced a team that can really challenge them in transition yet, because the athleticism gap is pretty considerable. The Knicks just couldn't do it, and. The Sixers are not built that way. Like, they're just not a good transition team. That's been a complaint about this team all year is that they mm-hmm. they are not a good transition team. Again, Ben Simmons being de-emphasized. So if the Bucks get out and they get some easy buckets, like, that's going to help out the offense and kind of boost it up a little bit. You know, it'll be interesting to see what the matchups are going to be. Uh, let's, let's take the starting lineups. I would imagine they guard, guard Giannis with Capella.
1: Yeah, I think so. <laughs>
2: yeah. Right? And then you just put... Um, who's starting at four for them? Collins. Collins. You put Mm -hmm. Collins on Tucker and have him help off. Mm -hmm. And then you put the question is where you hide Trey. You hide Trey on Connaughton, I guess early, but then the, still here's the problem with the starters though. I'll say this, the bucks as the series went on, started going to Brooke Lopez more and more inside. Like they got, they got Brooke involved. He hit threes, but he also hit some post-up shots and like, some off screen layups. The problem is if you put Capella on Giannis, Collins has to guard. Actually, he's got to guard Brooke and he can't do that. So Capella is going to have to guard Brooke, which means Collins is going to have to guard Giannis. And I really like Collins, but he's just overmatched
1: there. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, just, and now when Collins, gets in foul trouble. Now Danilo Gallinari coming in to try to guard Giannis. Yeah. And, and, and like, you, you, it, and started, I think on the, on the other end too, like I think, the the Sixers had no way to play Gallinari off the court. The Bucs have ways to play Gallinari's defense off the court, like with Drew and Chris or Yancey, who, like whoever's over there. The Bucs have options to play those guys off the court. And I, we, I think we still too, didn't like, even
3: address. We didn't even address where Trey is going to play. Yeah. Like who, who he's going to guard. Like, what do you put him on? PJ Tucker.
2: No, you hide him on. If it's that starting lineup. Yeah, because you, you said Connaughton and it's he's BM, not going to be not starting. Yeah. 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 Drew's going to get whatever he wants in the series. Yeah. You got to play him on. You just, you have to, you just have to play him on Drew and then, and then switch everything. Like that's just what you get. But, and the question there, so that's an interesting question though. Will the Bucks actually match up hunt? Because that's been a a frustrating thing about the Bucks is they Mm -hmm. don't match up hunt. So what they should do, right. What the Bucks should do. What is blatantly obvious is if they put Drew on Chris, Drew and Chris should just run pick and roll and get Trey matched up on Chris Middleton every single time. And if they blitz, you've got, if they try and blitz it, which you can't with Trey, if you try and blitz it, you've then got four on three with Drew Holiday, Giannis and the two bigs. I honestly, I will say this. I wonder if the, if the bucks actually go back and bring Tucker off the bench in this series.
1: Yeah. I wondered that as well, because I don't know that his role is so important. Like you're playing PJ Tucker Mm -hmm. for his defense And who does PG Tucker need to defend on this team? Like, I I could see the spot where PG Tucker needs to play center so that you can switch and defend the Trey pick and roll. And like, Brooke Lopez isn't working out. We need to get Tucker out there. I can see that. But when do I need Tucker and Giannis and Lopez all on the floor together? I I think here's the question. Here's the question, though. If you do that, Trey can hide on Connaughton. Yeah. That
2: to me is the problem. Now, you could say, like, well, Trey can just hide on Tucker. But Tucker's going to kill him on offensive rebounds. Then,
1: yeah. Another another thing that I like from Milwaukee this series is you know we've seen we saw against the Nets both teams just stopped playing their bench like what in Game Seven I think that the entire benches combined in overtime too combined for five field goal attempts, five attempts from the entire bench from both sides, and like we knew that from the Nets especially because their bench was starting by the end of the series. But I think that Milwaukee is going to be able to go back to the bench a little bit. I think Bobby Portis can play in the series because I don't think that Atlanta has the bench options to like play him off the court again. I think Bryn Forbes is going to get some open shots and start knocking some of those down. And We saw what that looked like against Miami. And so I think, I think Milwaukee's bench, I mean, we've seen all year that that's been a bit of a weak spot. It's, it's thin. But I think like offense-only guys like Portis and Forbes, I think, actually can play. And that can really help Milwaukee's offense get moving a little bit, too. And, and mm-hmm. by in so doing get Giannis those extra couple of minutes that, you know, like we've seen now what it looks like. We finally got all the bucks minutes that we wanted and oh, the pace slowed down a lot and the offense slowed down a lot. Maybe this whole limiting minutes thing actually had a purpose. And if they can get back to getting some of these bench guys, at least, you know, a couple of minutes here and there, yeah. maybe they get they, the, bucks mm-hmm. are able to run and play some higher energy ball with their stars too.
2: Yeah, like I like I like Portis versus Gallo. Yeah, I like, I'm not like sure. that matchup.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, mm-hmm. so um, Bucks four zero or four one is plus one ten, which is interesting because Bucks minus two and a half is yeah that's also plus one ten. So that's probably going to be my play after the after this pod. I think I think I'm sold on the Bucks. Like mm-hmm. the, the injuries in particular, I think are are an issue here. Between yeah. Hunter and Bogdanovich. God, the, yeah. Sixers, the Sixers lost to the Hawks
3: without DeAndre Hunter. Jesus. Yeah, that, that was just and, – and, and Tobias Harris was 8 of 24. He couldn't buy a basket. Not Well, not only that, but, like,
2: Trey Young. Like, you lost a game seven without DeAndre Hunter where Trey Young shot 5 of 23. Good God, Sixers. Yeah. Have some respect. Um,
1: all right. Wait, wait, wait. I, We gotta talk about. So, I think that beyond Bucks series, I, th- I think we all agree that the Bucs are winning the series. I don't think that's really shocking news to anyone listening to us right mm. now. But so, if that's the case, we got one more series after that. So, are, uh, the Bucs are the title favorites right now. How much favorites are they? Like, do you take Bucks versus the field? Because that's basically the odds that we're being asked to take right now. Bucks to win the title is plus 110 at BetMGM right now. I've seen it basically even odds, plus 100 at other books. So it's them versus the field. I will say this: my interest is looking at Finals MVP because if the Bucks win the Finals, it, it certainly looks like Giannis should be the Finals MVP. That would be the very obvious selection. Right now at BetMGM, he's plus 145. So on the one hand. Is it crazy to take the title odds when you can just take the Giannis odds and get an extra 35 cents on your bet there? On the other hand, if you shop around a little bit, I can see Chris Middleton at plus 2,700 finals MVP. Drew Holiday I've seen at plus 3,800. Is there a scenario where the Bucks win the title and Giannis isn't the finals MVP? Because yes. those are some juicy odds.
2: Yes, There's a, there, yeah. is a, there is a definite chance where Middleton gets it. There's I agree. a definite chance. For
1: yeah. He just starts hitting his shots and scoring and like I mean
3: if it's a long series and the game comes down to the end Middleton might hit the game winner. Like I mean he yep. literally hit the game winner against the Nets.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So so don't you agree then by extension that 2700 at some books where it's where Middleton is at and and when the Bucks are even odds to win the title, that's pretty interesting to me.
2: I will say, Brandon. The one thing I would tell you is, you're you're very big on these finals MVP bets. Here's my concern, man. I don't want to go in on any players right now because of the injury stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: that's my thing. Is like, because this is why I'm I'm like gonna hedge on the Hawks a little bit in the series because I gotta be like, I can't. I just can't trust anybody to stay healthy. Like, and yeah. it's not about like, their fault. It's just like the season is ever. this really is a battle of attrition. Like that's all the series. The season has been like the Suns are mostly healthy and they're there. Yeah. Like they are the one team that hasn't had a major rotation player go down. Well, so.
1: until Chris Paul gets out of protocols.
2: Yeah. But Chris, well, isn't,
1: Chris, isn't right, like,
2: Chris is not Chris is not hurt. Right. I will say, uh, let's go to that series now. Um, yeah, I'll follow up on this point. After game one, Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN, I was listening to post game while I was doing some writing. And he said like, they will get Chris Paul back in this series. Yeah. Which that leads me to believe that more than likely he is asymptomatic. That he yeah. tested positive and either his symptoms are very light or he's asymptomatic, which probably, which mm-hmm. is great news by the way. Um, and if if Wojnarowski is saying like he's gonna be back,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like I'm, I, I bet the Suns in the series. I'm gonna bet them more, um, as much as I'm. I'm leveraged on Bucks, Suns. Like I, game one by the way was fantastic. It was one of the best playoff games I think I've ever seen. It was so much fun the entire way. It was just a, it was a great chess match. It was like Paul George was great, Booker was amazing. Like every everybody played well. It was an awesome, awesome game. My big takeaway from Game One is the same thing I've been saying about the Clippers over and over and over again, which is everybody focus on. Uh, they focus on things like Reggie Jackson or Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or uh, Marcus Morris, even. And here, like, here's the problem: it's their big rotation. That's the problem.
3: Yeah.
2: Because the the first eight minutes of that game, the Suns could have attacked their switch with going small more. And they didn't. They took jump shots. And then in the starter second stint at the end of the second quarter, they finally realized like Aiden is open. Aiden has a mismatch. And Aiden started to eat. And that put more pressure on him. And so this is the problem is if you go small, Aiden's going to destroy you. If you go big and it's Zubotch, Booker got to that short range midi every single time. Yeah. And was able to hit it like zoo can't cover him in space so that's mm-hmm. why they had to try cousins and i actually really like the cousins adjustment i like playing cousins versus their small ball minutes and versus zoo. like i liked that matchup a lot but the big key with with boogie is he cannot play when devin bookers on the court lou got too loose with it and left him in when the suns put booker back in and that's when it fell apart If it's a high, if it's Booker or CP3, Booker Boogie can't be on the floor. They'll target him too much. So, Brandon, I just, I, I I think the bigs are too much of a problem in this series Mm -hmm. for a Clippers team, and I don't know how Kawhi Leonard even getting back if he were to get back helps with that.
1: Yeah, I don't know that he helps with the bigs problem. I one way, some you know when we see a favorite and see that we think that they should dominate, then my inclination is okay. So what other, what stories can I come up with for how did the, how did the underdog come through here? And one possible way is that Don who is huge. Like I remember Don is just a massive, massive man. And especially against these small Clippers lineups is just should be able to do anything that he wants. The problem is, is that Dan DeRayton still plays passive sometimes. And he can't do that in this series because, you know, like you said, he should be able to just dominate in there and put up 20 points easily, especially once Chris Paul gets back. And then you got CP and Booker both just dropping off to him in the paint. He should put up huge lines, but there are still games. As great as he's been in these playoffs, and he has been awesome, and he's been way better than I have ever given him credit for he can still go passive a little bit and he can still kind of have like hands of stone sometimes and like he'll be right under the basket and you're like, bro, you can just like reach up and dunk the ball and he'll like pump fake and try reverse layup or something. And I I do think while Chris Paul is out, like if Aiton goes a little passive, if Booker doesn't go supernova like he did, I do think that there is a scenario where the Suns could struggle to score a little bit. I don't, I don't say that, I'm not saying that they will for sure, but I think that that would be the way that the Clippers hang around in the series a little better. We know the Clippers can hit shots. We know that. We know they can just get hot and start hitting their shots. That's the offense. There's not much analysis there. But I think that without the switch, or with the switch, without Chris Paul to be able to punish it, and you know, Booker is not going to put up a 40-point triple-double every game, the Suns don't get to the line a lot. They don't get a ton of re- offensive rebounds a lot. They don't have a lot of easy ways to score. And Chris Paul is one of those ways. So while he's out, and if Aiton's not getting some of those easy buckets, and if Booker is not doing what he's been doing, I can see a scenario where the offense dries up a little bit and where the Clippers have a chance. The Suns are the favorites, though. But, I, but I, that's the area where I could see, okay, if we got to game four and we're tied two to two, how did, how did this happen? I think that's the easiest path I see to how the Clippers are still in this.
2: Like, I don't want to bet. That... I don't want I bet Suns Suns to win the series, but I don't want to bet. Like, I don't want to go like four one. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think
3: the thing I'm struggling with right now is that Marcus Morris really doesn't look good. Uh, he's having some problems with his knee. Mm, I man. think the Clippers really are struggling to defend this team. I mean, you guys have already mentioned the Aiden thing, but I mean, they're just letting Booker and even campaigners, they're just getting wherever they want. So it's just like, if you have, I mean, the strength of this Clippers team is their wings. You're already down Kawhi Leonard. So if you're down Marcus Morris and, and he's not, you know, what he's capable of doing on both offense and defense, then I think the Clippers are all about drawing dead.
0: Three-pointer. Bang! Oh, what a man!
1: Yeah. So some problems for the Clippers defensively in game one, they gave up 31 assists on Phoenix baskets. 31 is a lot of assists and the Clippers allowed under 23 a game, which was third best in the regular season. 31, not third best. Also the Suns on two pointers in game one shot 36 out of 57. That's 63% on two pointers. And remember that's with a lot of Booker pull-ups too, which are not exactly hundred percent shots. Like that's a lot of easy, good looks. And that is very replicable. Like if the Clippers can't keep you anywhere down below 60% on twos for the series, it's not going to last very long.
2: So this is, this is again, gets back to my big thing. If you play drop versus Booker, he's going to be the series leading scorer and he's going to go off. Like he will go off every single game. If you switch versus him, you have a chance, Mm -hmm. which is why I think one of the reasons they started small, but if Morris is hurt, you can't do that. Yeah. They don't have a replacement option. Like, uh, this is where it's not just Morris, it's Surge Baca. Like, yep. that, that was my big takeaway is if they could have started Surge yesterday, they're in a much different spot. And you just yeah. switch everything, you know, and, and you probably play Morris, and Morris is battling Aiden. And that's not great, but fine. Because a lot of it was Aiden wasn't getting post ups, right? They're not giving Aiden mm-hmm. the ball and going and saying, go to work, big man. They're just, they're breaking down the defense and getting inside and then feeding Aiden in, in different matchups or getting the lob to him in different actions yeah. because they can't contain Booker. Now, Booker was an inferno. Booker won't be that way every game. The question is just when CP3 going to be back? Because yeah. if Booker is just able to have another great performance, if we assume that Chris misses game two and CP3 is back in game three, now you're in trouble because even if Booker has a good game or Booker doesn't have a good game, then Chris yeah. Paul can do it. Yeah. And Paul will also feed Ayton a lot more. Like Payne's more of a shooter, and Booker is a, has, was a really great passer in that game. But there's so much attention being paid to him. Yeah. It, Chris will just if it's Zubac, Chris is just going to run pick and roll, make Zubach get in the middle, and then lob to Aiden. and they'll it'll be there eight out of ten times.
3: Also, how yeah. much? I mean, realistically, how much better can the Clippers offense actually be? I mean. Mm-hmm. They hit twenty threes. They they had twenty threes to the to the Suns 13 threes. They, yeah. they put up, you know, 124 per 100 possessions. So it's just yeah, I mean, I, I just don't I don't know how much better they could possibly be against this Suns defense. And for them to hit twenty threes and then still like really not even be in it towards the end of the game. I know they had that little the little spurt, but this was a well, ten point game.
1: So so one of the things I think that we overlooked a little bit on the Clippers upsetting the jazz, one of the real flaws to that jazz team, despite that they were, they were so good at so many things, but even, even in their awesome regular season, they turned it over a lot. There was always a, a higher turnover team and the Clippers forced a lot of turnovers. And if you think back to like when the Clippers went on some of those mega runs against the jazz, they'd score in a hurry. Because there'd be a few Clippers turnovers, or a few Jazz turnovers, I mean, and the, and the Clippers run out and are start getting some easy buckets. Like, you don't put up a 180 offensive rating and a half just on only hitting threes. It's because you're getting run-out dunks and like putting up points in a hurry. The Suns don't turn it over. And especially once Chris Paul is back, the Suns don't turn it over. So that's another area where like that you just need some of those easy points sometimes. And when you're the underdog and when you're missing Kawhi Leonard – you need to come up with some easy points, and I don't think that the Suns are going to give a lot of those easy points away like the Jazz did. Yeah, so
2: you know, Bucks, Bucks, Suns is what we like have to think that this is like heading towards. Which is, yeah. may have I told you back in in April, it's going to be Bucks, Suns. You would have. You would not have believed me. And you can still get, by the way, Bucks, Suns at Bet MGM at plus 155. Or Bucks, I'm sorry, Bucks to beat Suns is plus 155. And Suns to beat Bucks is plus 225. To give you a I, like
3: the sun, I like the Suns in that matchup. I'll take Bucks. I love this. I'll take Bucks. I'm, I'm all over the Suns. Why? All over the Sun. Why? Just because the last, I mean, I watched their last regular season game, and I, I, I think I had the, I actually had the Bucks in that game. And the one thing that stood out to me was that in crunch time, the Bucs could not score and they could not stop Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I mean, literally every single time down, they're pulling up from mid-range and they just, I mean, it just was easy. And I just, I I don't, I don't see how the Bucs have enough. I'm going to be honest with you.
2: Okay. We'll we'll see when we get there. I like the matchup. I think quite a bit for the Bucs. Just based off of what we've seen from them, they can can stay big versus Aiden with Brooke Lopez, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the biggest thing here, honestly, a lot of this is the Suns have still not faced anybody that can really defend them effectively. And you could say, like, why would the Bucks be able to with Brook Lopez? And a lot of it's like Drew Holiday. Like, they are so much better with guard pressure coming off the screens. Like, they are just yeah. way better than, I mean, Reggie Jackson's been amazing, but asking Reggie Jackson and even Paul George mm. and, like, these guys to get over mm. these screens, that, that I just don't think that's... I think mm-hmm. that there's a big gap there. Like the Suns have not faced a really a great defensive team yet. The Clippers, honestly, the Clippers won that Utah series with offense. Yeah, without a doubt. They won the Utah series with offense. The Bucks defense is really great. Now, I don't like betting on, on defense versus offense in the NBA these days. Maybe yeah. I'll come around to your side if, if that's the, the matchup. But I, I, think,
3: I think, I'm think i going to be honest with you, I think it's a really tough series. I think it's a six, seven game series easy. I don't think no. it's... A, a,
1: I mean, they... They played twice in the regular season, and the Suns won both games by one point. Yeah, (laughs) so it should be fun. And those were full strength games,
3: except uh, I think Drew Holiday was missing for one of the. The Suns were like in a bad spot too in the second game too. I think they were in a back-to-back.
2: But uh, given how the playoffs have gone so far, I'm looking forward to putting him in my bet on the Hawks to beat the Clippers at plus 50,000. So
1: one other bet on this series that I, my, my favorite bet, like we're looking for series bets. I don't think that we're seeing a lot of great series bets that we like on either of these teams, just because the favorites feel so likely, and then Get the away. odds are so high yeah. already. Get away, so one, yeah. one bet that I'm looking at is you can bet at BetMGM. You can bet on who's the leading scorer for the series. And Matt, I know you say you don't like betting on the players. There's the injuries. There's all those factors. So Devin Booker is the favorite to lead the series in scoring. He obviously scored 40 in the opener. It makes a lot of sense. But Booker can still have those games where he just kind of isn't a big factor, in part because they don't need him to. Like In part because they you know, suddenly McHale put up like 22 that night and Chris Paul was doing his thing and down Rayton had 25. And it was like, oh, oh, Booker only scored 14 tonight. And like they won by 10 anyways. It didn't really matter. The Clippers can't do that. Paul George has to score, especially with Kawhi out. He has to score. And George has scored at least 20 every playoff game. He scored at least 27 in six straight games right now. And even in the opener, as good as Booker was, he's only down six right now. So PG is even odds plus 100. Booker is at minus 120. I think Paul George is is a good bet to lead the series in scoring. What do you guys think about that one?
2: Don't like it at all. Kawhi can come back at any point. He's still rehabbing. That's entirely possible. The defense is only going to key in more on Paul George. He has to take tough shots. Um, they do have good defenders to be able to put on him in Phoenix. I don't. I think that Booker is still going to be able to hit a lot of shots, especially when Chris Paul gets back. That takes more of the attention off of him. Um, I, I'm not in. I'm not sold. Mm. All
1: right. I gave it a shot.
2: Well, oh, you're going to wind God. out right because every time I tell you, <laughs> every time I try and negate yeah. it, finds out cashing. So go ahead and get your money in on Paul George <laughs> to lead yeah. the playoff, the series and scoring. All right. Let's mm-hmm. go wrap it up with the Action Network <laughs> NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back later this week with another episode. Continuing through the conference finals and all the way into the finals, we'll also get reaction to the NBA draft lottery on Tuesday make sure to download the award-winning action network app stay tuned to this channel we got pga stuff this week we got all sorts of awesome stuff throughout the week rate review and subscribe the action network podcast we'll see you guys again next time on the action network podcast nba edition
1: we're finished talking